Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Alex, we are back. Original yep. recipe. <laughs> Original recipe, yeah. Hey, if it works, it works, right? Yeah, Daniel's got some stuff going on, so he's not going to be able to make it for t- tonight. Can we say tonight? 7 p.m. Yeah. now, right? Yeah, it's When it's do you still- say the afternoon ends and the evening begins? Um, it's weird because I guess it depends on the season because in the winter at five o'clock, it's could be pitch dark outside. Um, but usually I'd say around five o'clock is when I go from like evening to tonight. I don't know. Just a, just a habit. We can agree on that. I mean, it's still, yeah, it's, I think sunset's just starting because it gets darker in Montreal. Yeah. Because, you know, geography and that. Sure. Um, and I mean, you know, the sun is setting on the regular season. We're at that point where you look at the schedule and it's like, oh, um, well, who is it? Dallas and and Chicago are playing. And you're like, ah, oh. and then you see Calgary and the Sens you're playing. It's like, do I want to spend time? Do I want to stay up till 11 o'clock watching a game between teams? There, We know now every all but one position in the playoffs are confirmed. And Montreal have a 10-point cushion before they clinch against the Flames. Yeah, like I think we know that last spot. Yeah. It, it is basically we're set in stone of what we're going to see in the playoffs. It, it would be utter catastrophe. Like Dominic Ducharme would have to do some actual magic for the Canadians to not make the playoffs. I mean, you say magic. I just think he needs to keep doing what he's doing sometimes. That's true. Hey, what's up, lines? Um... God, you just leave him alone, my guy. I saw earlier that apparently some French reporter said that apparently when he was traded to Montreal, there was a promise that he would never be scratched. And I really hope that's not a thing because I think he won a single face-off last night. Who? Eric Stahl. Oh. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that's really a thing. But, I mean, they, they separate. Whatever. You know, we'll start... We'll start with that then. Okay. Uh, last two games between the teams we like so much have both been Habs Leafs, and both games went to Toronto. Uh, I think we can see the story of the first game is there was a decision in goal for Montreal that was pretty dumb. For those of you who don't know, Kane Primo started um, on the second half of a back-to-back against a rested Leafs team. Jake Allen started the night before against the Sens. And by the way, every win in Caden Primo's young career has been against the Sens, but instead they put Jake Allen and they put the rookie against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I believe the score was 4 nothing before the end of the first period, Alex? Uh, yes, I think so. Including in there, Austin Matthews' 40th goal of the season. I've also noticed we don't have McDavid in the notes, which is I know, shameful I, I, on us. We might have forgotten. So I say first off, Austin Matthews, there was talk about 50 and 50 earlier in the year. And do you know what? If he wasn't hurt, he probably doesn't, I would say. Though, what do you make of these two individual seasons we've seen? Austin Matthews, 40 goals in 56 games. Or, or you know, just ish we're going to see. He's not going to break 50. And Connor McDavid, 100 points in 50 games. They're both incredible um, accomplishments. And... I don't, I'm not going to be part of the conversation where it goes into one's better than the other. Cause I, I, I just, I think they're both incredible accomplishments. I don't see why we need to have this discussion. Like clearly McDavid's the better player. I would never argue against that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he is like, go watch a hockey game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think, and considering his injury brought that up too, like with, Matthews I I do think I I just I can't imagine like what he would have what he could have done if he hadn't gone injured 
And with McDavid, there's still like three games. They still have three games left. I think it's they play Montreal and Vancouver. Yeah, two of them are against and, Montreal. And it's like the damage he could do, like still do in yeah. these in these next three games is scary, even though he's past a hundred points. Like you even though he says he doesn't think about it, you have to think he is thinking about well, can I get to two points a game? Like, you know what I mean? Honestly, he, he, I think their like last three games have been against the Canucks and it's been must watch television because you just know that he was going to, it was a four point, point, four point night last night to get to a hundred. Yeah. And you, you, yeah, of course he's thinking about it. Everyone does like, you know, some players say like, I don't look at the score sheet, but you really think somebody sitting on 29 goals isn't thinking, no, of course. They've got money on the board for someone to pass on the puck. This is how this works. Like, even in games, you always see guys got two goals. They're going to get the extra feet to him to get the hat trick. It's just – Right. And, yeah, like, the accomplishments are just so sensational that – what you have to think is Matthews, I think, has – it might be like a nine or ten goal lead on second place being McDavid. Right. And that, how impressive that is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to measure them. Um, at the same time, I think we're in agreement that the Hart Trophy – like every year there's that, yeah, but Taylor Hall. But no, I'm pretty sure this year, I think it's it should be unanimous that that Connor McDavid, who I believe is like 20 points up on Leon Dreisaitl, yeah, should probably win the Hart Trophy. It, it will be an absolute shame if he isn't like if he if he doesn't win. Like I, I don't know what these the people voting i saw, saw someone talking about Sidney crosby and i'm like yeah put that guy on the ballot look how sh- pittsburgh has shifted in terms of like yeah we look at it seems as if as soon as berkey and hextall got there things changed but that they were riding on with Sidney crosby um but this is a whole different level so he is ahead of of dry sidle by the way um by 21 points <laughs> that is incredible. By the way, shout out to Brad Marchand that's all of a sudden tied for third with Mitch Marner at league scoring. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Good for him. Wow. McDavid Matthews, incredible stuff. So going back to that game against uh the back black seat last few games between the Habs and the Leafs, I don't think that it was I think if maybe you had made the proper coaching decision, it was a much closer game. Um, like I, I appreciate that the Habs made it a game in the third. But I mean, if you give a, a like a team like the Leafs a four goal advantage after twenty, I don't think you're coming back in that game. Most unless you're the Sens, because the Sens just seem to work so well against the Leafs and the Habs. But yeah, um, especially this Leafs team has a better defense than it has in probably for a while. Like yeah, in this era, probably. yeah. For yeah. sure. I just want to go back on that goaltending decision. Yeah, I, uh, I, I still, I, I never understood it. Um, and I think we were talking about it either that night or the game after. And to me, it was one of those old school, we'll call it old school coaching decisions where you play your starting goalie on the first night and yeah. you play your backup on the second, on the second night of the back to back. And in this case, and I always think there's these particular scenarios where that is not the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, I I know the Sens seem to give trouble to a lot of teams, um, especially the ones uh, a higher in in seating. But I still think the better decision was to play Caden Primo against the Ottawa Senators. He beat them like last week. Right. I don't know what you're thinking of there. It was. Like again, it's just the you got to look at the logistics of it too. It's like you've got a Habs team that is already pretty decimated by injuries. They're missing a lot of good players right now, and then again, you go against a rested Leafs team. And I don't think there's a team that's actually played more games than Montreal in this little stretch. And then I just I think they really like Ducharme really did leave Caden Primo out to dry in that game. I don't think he should have finished the first period. I thought. Like, at least after the second, third goal, it should have happened. But I just – and on that Ma- – I think it was the Matthews goal. It was just he was completely out of position. And, and even, like, in his game against the Sens, that they would end up coming back and Caulfield scored it. I mean, like, his rebound control was a bit iffy. And if you have that against the Sens, who you know, have good players like Tim Stutzler, who just had a hat trick the other day. Um, against the Leafs, who have a lot of really good net front guys like Nylander, Tavares, 
and we saw Nylander strike last night in the pretty get some work in, in front of the net. Um, I thought it was just really setting a kid up to fail. And like, that's going to, he had a great year in the AHL. And then I just, you've kind of killed the end of his year confidence wise. Yeah, it was, it was definitely the wrong decision. And I think at this point, and I feel like this is the, the whole thing with Dominic Ducharme is like, if you don't, you have, this is now your learning experience. Like, it's unfortunate that the Habs were put in this situation where they kind of put a guy in who's his, he hasn't had a whole lot of head coach experience. Right. I think Daniel mentioned he was world juniors, right. That was yeah. about it. It was like QMJHL time with like Halifax and like the voltage years, but right. it's like less than three years as an assistant. And he's like, Hey, Habs head coach. There you go. It, it's it's you gotta at this point, he has to learn and say, okay, well I can't make that mistake again. And, I know we'll get to the line shuffling and I was talking to some people yesterday and saying like the thing with the Habs right now is that their lines are being shuffled so much. And I think he has to learn from that and say you like that. I, I don't think that I think I brought this up last episode. The Habs are not in a position to really do these line shuffles. It's you got to stick to what works right now. Yeah. Um, and do you know what, especially like right now, it's not even a case of, of oh, they're missing guys. They got to find what works here. I mean, it's been an issue all season. And I, I mean, I never, I can't stop complaining about like the level of that third line that was the Leckin and Caulfield and, um, and Evans. And like, I don't know why that was broken up and you put Caulfield then with, with Perry and Eric Stahl. Uh, I, 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 I didn't understand the move at all, at all, at all, at all. Um, the guy really needs to just sort of clamor. And again, like Kaki Nemes has been all, all over the place. I feel bad for him, but I, I, he's a, such a strange coach. There is those, those guys. They're just um, like, I think they mentioned Paul Maurice is one of these guys. Claude Julien was probably the same that like, there are coaches that just don't touch their lines and just sort of let them marinate and once in a while they'll make a change, but then maybe if there's a bad period, they go back to their safety blanket. Dominic Ducharme is, is the opposite. He's so reactionary that he's almost overreacting to every sort of sort of play it feels like sometimes. It's it's so frustrating to watch, um, yeah. especially against a Leafs team that is, I think their lineup, they probably have a good idea. But in guys that are starting right now, and I, I wanted to mention Pierre Engvall, because that must be such a frustrating player. And I saw, I remember seeing a tweet once that Pierre Engvall plays his best when his line is on the, when his job is on the line. Yeah. I thought he was good last night too. I think it was the second goal for the Leafs he got. I think so. Yeah. What a weird player. He, Yeah. That's exactly it. And every single time he, his job is on the line and he knows it. It's, it's a different, seems to be a different Pierre Engvall, whether he, whether he's playing at center or whether he's playing at the wing, it's, but I don't like you just it can't be that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can't I can't have it when Pierre Engvall's job is on the line. Now he decides to show up like you have to. I don't know what they need to do. Maybe his that needs to be his mentality for for the foreseeable future that hey man, your job is on the line consistently. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's the the that's the byproduct right now of the Leafs going out and making depth moves. Like there, we all know that there's that tryout in the bottom six right now. And even, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a blessing in disguise that Felino is, is, is hurt right now because and Alex Galchenyuk, I think was one who was opening the score in that first game against uh, Montreal for Toronto, which just broke my heart. Um, Cause you know, he's getting a bit more spotlight too. And I think Stefan Nelson played that first game too. I didn't think yeah. he was that bad. Um, and going to last night's game, um, what, what did you think of that? Because it was very much a, a first period where the Habs came out flying, but then they just didn't seem to have a response to the what I noticed in the second period. And I was just, I couldn't watch the third. I was I, I went to bed. I couldn't watch it. Um, so I need you to tell me how they play in the third. Go away, Mike. Do not disturb. For me, the the thing I I noticed the most in and and I I don't want to look at the past a, a whole lot, but the thing that I think this team struggled with sometimes is taking a lead back, 
or taking the lead at all and not like not doing it at the end of the game. Yeah. Like you, when you're losing that lead, when you lose that lead, you, your switch turns on right away. Um, and I do think that's a byproduct of Simmons, Spezza, like I guess Bogosian's on there now and Joe Thornton. Like, I think those guys being in that room and say whatever you want about their skill on the ice. Yeah. They're probably the, the, the forwards at least are deteriorating, deteriorating a little bit, but that is something I noticed about, about the Leafs team in, in particular. I don't think the third period was, was horrible. Um, it was kind of just the game was the game, I guess, at that point. Like, it didn't yeah. seem like anyone was looking for... It did get a little bit spicy uh, for, for a few stretches there, which I did enjoy. Like, I that's the expectation. There's two more games left for the Leafs, and we're most likely seeing a Leafs-Habs series in the first round. So we are. I'm glad that it's getting spicy in the Leafs. The, and the Leafs aren't afraid to push back because I think, again, that is something that's been an issue in the past. I remember seeing there was a bit of a tie-up with Simmons and Joss Anderson. Joss Anderson just sort of pushed Simmons onto the floor. Yeah. And then he just got right back up and he was in Joss, Joss Anderson's face. And, you know, there's that pushback that, um, you know, the Leafs have been criticized for, for not having in the past. Um, from the Montreal side of it, too, you know, normally I, I can get pretty pretty mad with these kind of losses. At this point, though, I don't think I can be mad at a team that, again, Phil Deneau's out with a concussion, and that's the guy that's been staple to a guy like Austin Matthews and has probably given a bit more freedom to the guys down the lineup to kind of push. Like, I didn't think they gave a crap effort or anything. Um, but, like, I, at some point, and, you know, I hate using the schedule as, a, as an excuse – but at some point, like this team, I, I can't imagine how tired they are and just how badly they just need a break and to get some bodies back because like I almost give them credit that they could get that close to the Leafs um, despite that they, they still don't have Brendan Gallagher. Right. Like I, I can only imagine, and you would still say the Leafs are a favorite going into a series against the Habs. I don't think there's any denying that, but I just can't wait. It's like a bit of excitement here is just the zest that, um, and again, like this is no excuse at the end of the day, because, you know, if you're a Raptors fan, yeah, like Golden Knight, not Golden Knights, uh, Golden, Golden, State. Golden State, can they can complain about like Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant all they want. Like it's part of sports that you're hurt, right? But man, I just, I can't wait, like the excitement levels to see a series once, you know what, you can hopefully see the Habs healthy, a Nick Felino back, um, Frederick Anderson, who we can talk about, who's been doing it, he parry games in the AHO for conditioning stint. I only saw highlights of goals, and that's kind of like, yeah, whatever. That is um, the it's an awful way of analyzing a goalie, but yeah, I guess sure. I know, right? <laughs> like, like, whatever. Um, every goalie has bad highlights. Um, right. but do you have a, a thought on Freddie Anderson? Because I'm sure you have a much better understanding of how he's been playing. Uh, better than I do. I mean, listen, like he hasn't played a professional, like a professional hockey game for quite some time. I think since March. Right. So I, I pulled up his stats here. They're not the greatest. Like it's below, it's a below 900 save percentage in the AHL. But again, he's not, he hasn't played for quite some time. And I think it will take time for him to get back. Um, March 19th was his last game against the Calgary Flames, by the way. Right. So it's been almost two months. Um, if I can do, if I'm, yeah, I had to think about the dates. Um, the TikTok that, comments call you off. That's oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, but this is like, I, I, Mike asked me what my expectation is for Freddie Anderson. I said, okay, well, this is my guess. Jack Campbell is probably starting game one. And if he does well, game two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. If he does falter, I do think Frederick Anderson, if healthy, and if the team thinks he is ready, will be that next guy up. There's no David Riddich. There's no Michael Hutchinson. Like, he is the next guy. 
listen, think about it like this. Um, the Leafs did not completely follow in the Pittsburgh model of firing a coach midseason to win the cup. But what they can do and follow the Capitals mantra is uh, have a guy steal the net for the beginning of the series, but then your normal starter comes in and robs it, i.e. Matt Murray, i.e. Braden Holpe. Right. Except, and you know what? The worst thing is if Freddie Anderson leaves, if he follows the Holpe, Matt Murray, you know, play – think it's fine because he probably won't be back um it's well, a good guess yeah i mean you know you know that's the thing with history it consistently repeats itself huh? mm, rasmus sandine i missed this when did he get hurt he didn't get hurt he didn't oh okay no. so is is it's it's oh oh, oh yeah, it's right. purely salary cap reasons it's, all right it's it's the lti it's the yeah. it's the kucherov treatment right now isn't it yeah except he makes nine hundred thousand dollars <laughs> I hate the cap. You know that? It, oh, so do so I. Long. It's so complicated. Again, uh, whatever. Let's not get into that conversation. We can spend plenty of time um, on that. I listen. Like, I do think he'll. If Bogosian isn't back by the game one, he's probably slotting in on that third pairing with Dermot. Yeah. Um, but it's unfortunate that this is the point we are at. That um, that listen, all good. <laughs> Most good teams are dealing with this situation. Yeah. Uh, look at Tampa Bay. I'm not comparing the two teams. I'm not saying Toronto is Tampa Bay. I'm just, I am just saying they're in similar salary cap situations. They have not had the former 120 point scorer Nikita Kucherov all year. <laughs> and- right. God, you ever think it's God, I hate Tampa Bay. Who are they playing in the first round? Um, I'd hate well, to be them, is, is what will, I'd say. We'll get to the Panthers a little later because it looks uh, like yes. we're getting the Battle of Florida for the first time ever. Um, could you see a scenario? Because I would think that they want Zach Bogosian no matter what because of the physicality of the playoffs, especially against a Habs blue line that is, I think, first and foremost, and sometimes to their detriment, uh, hit first, hidden hope, I'd like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any case where it's like, all right, Dermot? who I've not heard of a lot of this year. I don't know if that's just me, um, but do you see maybe a scenario where Dermot can come out for a guy like Rasmus Sandin? For Sandin or Bogosian? Um, over Dermot. I like, do. I can see that. Yeah. I, I can because I, I, I worry about putting Rasmus Sandin in the playoffs, but I think he's mature. Like, I don't know if you've ever listened to an interview with Rasmus Sandin, but he doesn't seem like a 20 year old. Like he doesn't seem like a 20 year old. He seems like more mature. And I don't know, like we don't always get that um, in terms of players. So I think he has that understanding of the importance of these games. Um, mm-hmm. I just, how I've seen him be ragdolled a little bit. I, I always go back to that game against Detroit. And that was kind of the last game we saw him for quite a while as a Maple Leaf. Mm-hmm. But I do think the way he's been playing recently, and I know it's a small sample size, but I, I do think he's been a little more effective than he gives a little more uh, than what Dermot gives in different areas. Um, has, has Travis Dermot ever had a hit? Like Sandy and no, uh, no, not really. And I, I haven't. I'm interested to see what he looks like next to Bogosian because I think that could be. I think it, it would mesh really well. Just the way that Dermot and Bogosian meshes seems to mesh really well. And we haven't heard of that third pairing. I don't think I've complained about that third pairing at all this year, which no. is, I, I'm so Every thankful. Years past. I am so thankful. Yeah. by the way of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some news that Zach Hyman and the guy we all remember about, Riley Nash, uh, they've returned in non-contact red jerseys during practice. A sign of those guys coming back, especially Hyman with the knee. I think you want to see a guy skate as early as possible. Hoping yes. that they are healthy. I Yeah, I do hope he is healthy. I mean, he miraculously played with, what was it, a... Um, it was the it was the last year against something in his knee, and he was still taking faceoffs on the PK, which was just beyond like beyond my understanding of how he did that. But that's the Hyman is a very important piece along with Nick Felino, who it's kind of been quiet on in terms of when he's coming back. Yeah, but it's those two guys 
putting them into this lineup, I think will change the lineup in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's a guy I'm really interested. In. You know, you're into the munition, munition. What am I trying to say? The munition. Yeah, the munition. God, what is it with me in Ma- words? Oh, it's, okay. it's, it's a complicated relationship. Uh, the minutia of hockey when you're interested in the fourth line center like Riley Nash. It'll be interesting to see how he sort of slots in there um, and what he can do in the playoffs. Because, I mean, listen, that guys, they're pretty important. Very, exactly. Very important. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you, so you saw how Joel Edmondson got that $1,000 fine, right? I, I did. I'm, trip? I'm not entirely sure what's going on at the Department of Player Safety at the moment. Um, so is it me or have they given a lot of suspensions this week? Yeah, is they it- have. Like, I mean, the weird thing is they're some most of them are right. Uh, I, that's I, what's weird, though. It's that the one that they should have gotten right, they didn't. But we've had that discussion before. Yeah, they they've they've kind of done their job a little bit. So I'm gonna get up their Twitter account because I've been seeing notifications a lot more than normal. So as like the day after Wilson, by the way, yeah. you know what's really funny about the tweet about how they said Wilson only got the five thousand dollar fine? Oh, what three point one k likes, seven point five thousand retweets, and eight thousand comments. I, I would hate to be the person who runs that account. By the way, oh, I know. It um, is. Oh. So the day after that, there was the two games. Uh, sorry, the day after there was the announcement of the Shane Gossis Bears suspension. Utsnevich got his, what we'll talk yeah. about a little later. Zach McEwen got suspended for a game. That was a weird one. Yeah. Um, Brandon Montour got fined. Tampa Bay Maroon got his hearing. Edmondson got his 1K. Uyghur got fine. Maroon ended up getting a single game we found out an hour ago. Yeah. That's a lot very, very quickly, which I found really kind of strange because we don't get it that often actually from um, from player safety. They've been really active, which I, I don't know. That's just – it's really, really weird. I don't know if that's just me overthinking it, but uh, it's a coincidence. Yeah. You remember, you know, when uh, the whole Tim Peel stuff happened and they were talking about makeup calls. Yeah, yeah. Don't Does I... it seem like they're just trying to do their job correctly now? I mean, it only took the Rangers calling them out. And there's <laughs> the transition, Alex. Um, that's like, before we go, because yeah. I saw a video of this and I was really mad about it. Sure. Jeff Petrie's penalty at the end of the game last night. Was that a penalty to you? Because I saw it as a hip check. And I was, and I love hip checks, right? Like I, it's almost like they've gotten rid of them and now it's just like they're clipping calls. But I don't know what it is. I just, I, I was like, okay. I mean, the chances of us scoring, okay, like still like you blew a two nothing lead, but like, I, I don't know about that. I thought that was a nice hip check. Um, a hit that we don't have a lot anymore. I am not entirely sure which one. I'm looking for the video now. Okay. I don't, I don't know remember okay, off the top of my head we'll move on we'll move on um they, they they freaking lost so whatever all right so we so first off we should mention off the top of the this whole thing is tj yoshi in that game versus the rangers and the caps the complete hoob lost so many fights in that um had a hat trick and this was his first game back after the death of his father um that's incredible for him um, yes what a story apparently like all the Caps players had like coach osh on their gear, which is pretty, pretty sick. But in that game, I don't remember if it happened after we were recording or whatever. So Pavel Butznevich, a high stick, a almost cross check to the face on Anthony Manta. Yeah. Gets the one game suspension. Now I thought maybe that would have been more because throughout that play, Anthony Manta was, was, was the definition of poking the bear. Just <laughs> kept tapping him with his stick. And eventually yeah. Butznevich, and we know how in the NHL, if you get tripped and there's no call and you go and smack the guy with your stick on the leg, if you retaliate, you always get the call and the other guy goes up scot-free. Right. The fact that it was only one game I thought was a bit, okay, a bit on the nose. It is, I would have loved to have heard that call, by the way. Hey, hey, Pavel, it's George. <laughs> you know how you know how your team just basically said I should be fired? Are you, like... 
I I thought he was going to get more than one game simply for the reason that your team just called out George Peros. Yeah. Um, and they don't seem, and I know this would be if they if this is actually how they're going to do their job. That is one of the worst things they can do in terms of well, I, you just called out my team. I'm going to punish you harder. But I don't think that's how they're run. Um, I think they're smarter than that. But I'm surprised it was one game. Yeah. Um, this is from Twitter user Cam Robinson. With his suspension, Pavel Budznevich will forfeit $28,017. If he's smart, next time he'll just throw someone's helmetless head onto the ice and save himself $23,000. Well, actually, that wasn't against the rules, so he'd save himself $28,000. I, I, man, whatever. Um, so as a response, so I, I predicted that the fine would be 250k um, yeah. based on what Arizona got for you know their their draft testing stuff. Yes. So that's what the Rangers Rangers ended up getting fined 250k. I'll read the statement from the NHL here. The National Hockey League announced today that the New York Rangers have been fined a quarter million dollars for their public comments on Tuesday, May 4th. Be with you. Quote, public comments of the nature of the nature issued by the Rangers that were personal in nature and demeaning of a league executive will not be tolerated, said NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. While we don't expect our clubs to agree with every decision rendered by the Department of Player Safety, the extent to which the Rangers expressed their disagreement was unacceptable. It is truly unfair to question George Peros's professionalism and dedication to his role and the Department of Player Safety. Now, I think that's that's a pretty expected, you know, they were going to protect their guy, they, you know, whatever, like, I understand that. Um, but 250k, Alex. I think you you said it pretty much. You asked the question of how much did this fine need to be to really send a message to the Rangers? Uh, it needed to be more than that. That was pocket change. Um, yeah. I, I I I was saying last time I think we talked, like, oh, here's the concessions from one game. Uh, pro- it's probably more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars, just a guess. But you there it is. James Dolan's net worth. It's in the billions that 2. I know. Two point five billion dollars. Uh, pocket change. Yeah, you know? it is nothing. But it, it, like again, this statement really doesn't come as a surprise to. It shouldn't come to as a surprise to anybody. No. Uh, really. The the thing and just we had the, this whole discussion last last episode, but I think it it still stands with this. I. What I think we forgot, we've we failed to realize sometimes is that if the NHL wanted to do something, they would do it. Yes. If they if okay, I think hockey fan a, a large group of hockey fans have this perception of hockey that uh, that it doesn't correlate to what the NHL wants. Mm-hmm. So. They're not going to like, you have to know that this is, this is, shouldn't come as a surprise, which is why I wasn't as upset last episode. Like you go back and listen to most of the episodes where we complain about department of player safety. I was quite upset. I just, I can't be upset because clearly the NHL has, and by the way, this has this, everyone in the NHL is involved. The owners, Bettman, uh, the players, their agents, everyone's involved in this, right? Mm-hmm. Like they make the rules, they set the fine limits. If you want to complain about the five thousand dollar fines, by the way, uh, your players set that. that right. Your players at like there was no. I bet the league said, "Hey, can we fine you a hundred thousand dollars?" And the agents went, "Yeah, no, that's not happening." Right. So again, they have different standards than what we we as hockey uh, as hockey fans have what do you expect the next time the rangers and the capitals play each other whenever that is it can be ex- exhibition it can be whatever it's gonna happen uh i think it's gonna be spicy mm-hmm. i don't think it's gonna be what what it was like last game i hope i hope we never get that kind of thing ever again you didn't like it i it's so you know how everyone loved the Turkish Grand Prix last year because mm-hmm. the conditions were complete crap and yeah. everyone spun except Lewis and that's how he somehow won. 
Um, I don't like, like, I would like a, a wet Grand Prix, but I don't <laughs> want something that is basically a wet ice rinks type of race. I sure. like mess, but I don't like that level of mess. Okay. And I've That's been fair. to many hockey games in my time. Um, sometimes you just want it to finish because you're tired. It's a long day. Um, and if I'm watching a game, I hate four-hour games. I, Correct. You know me. I don't like The Godfather because it's, it's a long movie. Um, I value my time very much, and I mm-hmm. cannot stand when something is too long. Um, that, and it's just, I don't watch hockey. I like the occasional fight. Don't get me wrong. Um, a line brawl that's just slowing the game down before, you know, when we get more penalty minutes and actual minutes played is just a bit of a joke to me. Uh, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's not what I love about hockey. I, I've been thinking about it, like, f- since it the day we recorded, right? We recorded on Wednesday. And I thought it was entertaining, but I don't know. Like, it's not something I'd like to see on a regular basis. And I think that's where my mindset shifts from away from that extreme of hockey fans in terms of, well, listen, whether he suspended Wilson or not, I think, like, I think that game was going to be messy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was going to be. It was going to be, whether it was seven, like, maybe it wasn't going to be eight fights um it might have been three like who knows i don't want to see that on a regular basis like at the end of the day the department of player safety is there but i think the players are still gonna police the game whether we like it or not which is which is fair which is terrible but i yeah like there's i don't know what we we can do to change that there's not a whole lot Last season, the Battle of Alberta was amazing. And it wasn't because everyone was gooning it up. Yeah, there were were big hits with Kachuk and Cassian. And we did talk about the ability of some of those hits on the show. But, like, are you telling me, like, you didn't love seeing the Nuge and Sean Monaghan throw down? Like, like, you know, you think – I love, like, the last minute of the game. Mike Smith's going to throw down with – would have been a, would have been Dave Rittich then? Ken Talbot. Ken Talbot. Um, like I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. I like it the the sportsmanship of of Dave Rittich doing the stick flip, even though it's destroyed his career since then somehow. Um, I, I I don't know. Like I love the entertainment stuff. You know, I think the Battle of Alberta was, and has always sort of been recently, um, a proof of you can have an entertaining fast game without gooning it up. I feel like. In some scenarios in the past, we might see a guy try and go after McDavid. Um, maybe not Dry Sourdough because he is a monster. I would not want to fight that German machine. Um, he's basically a Panzer. <laughs> um, and and Panzer Tank, World War stuff for you guys. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you can still have that. There's a nice balance. I just don't want the goony stuff. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? No, no, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I think we had this discussion last episode, right? Like, I don't think the NHL and the PAs and the Department of Player Safety's job is easy because I think there is a, they're like you said, they're they're in this gray area and they need to find the right gray. Yes, and they're just having trouble doing that for whatever reason. They are having trouble doing that, and if I'm the NHL, the like, I, I don't when I go on social media to say that this is what most of the fan base the most of nhl fans want is just it's a mind-boggling thing because not everyone is on social media you cannot take a proper evaluation from social media because the extremes will always be the loudest no matter what that's and that's that's the thing with twitter it's 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 an echo chamber for absolute crap you you know uh, i just I love hockey. It's mm-hmm. just hockey needs to figure out what hockey is sometimes. Um, it's, a, it's a great sport. It's just, there's a lot of problems with it. Um, a lot, a lot of problems. I, ha- I, I gave my solution last episode. It still stands. Yeah. Rewrite the rule book. And ma- like, th- what, don't you think that would solve so many problems? Yeah, but it's just such a stubborn league with so many stubborn minds that have been around for so long in the revolving That's door. That's true. Um, it's just, it's hard to see how there's going to be change. And if you want to talk about the revolving door around the league, we're going to have some more coaches probably entering it too. Um, we now know that if, this one caught me by a real shock here. 
Rick Tockett is leaving the Arizona Coyotes. I saw a lot of Yotes fans on Twitter being really, and here's the negative outpour we talk about. A lot of them actually happy by the move when it feels like not long ago, people were really praising this guy for getting a lot out of an Arizona team that is normally pretty beat up. Um, we also see John Tortorella, and this one I think everyone kind of saw coming. Right. There was a nice thing of, of, I think this was the perfect solution. The team and, and Tortorella mutually agreeing to go separate ways. Um, Tortorella doesn't slap the team in the face by saying I'm leaving. The team don't slap him in the face saying we're not renewing the contract. Right. Um, and I do think, say what you want about John Tortorella, an accomplished coach that I think probably – you know, he, he helped that team. I think what he did with that team before they've kind of probably lost his message, especially after when Panarin and Bobrovsky left. Um, I, I think he deserved some respect on the way out there. And I think their season's actually done now. And there were Tortorella so. chants at the game last night, which was yeah. pretty cool in the send off, right? I mean, like, look at what he did with, with that team that, and yes, they added guys, but when they swept Tampa Bay, who had 62 wins, and they were only like, playoff series one, they're right. Like it, it, that, that alone is just incredible. And I think, in my perception of what happened in Columbus, is uh, Yarmo what Yarmo Kekalainen did, and maybe maybe it backfired on him. And I, yeah, at, at least he did it. I think he tried to. Mi- add some skill to this team that maybe wasn't the best move. And, and you look at Max Domi and you look at specifically Max Domi and Patrick Laine, um, it, it doesn't seem to have worked the best in Columbus. And I think that's where everything seemed to backfire on John Tortorella. They really weren't his kind of player. Well, I thought Domi would have been, but I think Laine was... You know what? I, I refuse to believe that Panera and Robrovsky left because it was torts. Like I'm a passionate believer, and it was because Panera wanted to live in New York, and Borovsky wanted to live on a beach. I mean, like, right. listen, like in my perfect scenario, like I'm retiring in Montreal. Like that's just the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live in the countryside or anything. I grew up in that kind of place. I, I hate it, right? Um, and I feel like there is, if it was simple as it was Tortorella for Dubois. I don't think that interview we had with Ron McLean would have been so cryptic as it is. Um, but I don't think there's any denying that Tortorella was just so upside down with the way he used Patrick Line. I don't think there's any disputing that. Um, Adam Wilde from the STP, what was he said? They made a Ferrari into like a Toyota or something. I thought it was a perfect example of it. It's like, let's go off-roading in the new Ferrari, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I think the, and again, this is Twitter at its finest. It wasn't, I think it was somewhere in the middle where there's blame to be placed on certain players and there's blame to be placed on on John Tortorella in the way he's hand, the way he handled those players this season. Like, I, I don't think it's one extreme or the other. I think it's a mix of both. And that's just a reality of being an NHL coach. Uh, we, we could probably go through a list of coaches who have had their time in their job cut short because of the way they have coached the team. Mm-hmm. You know, a few in the Canadian division this year. Right. Half the teams, really. <laughs> oh, man, it was a, it's been a wild year. Um, you want to say anything about Rick Tockett? I, I that's still that one still strikes me by surprise. That that one does strike me because I wonder their expectations in Arizona were that maybe they were going to make a push. Like I, I I don't know. Arizona is always this up in the air team where I feel like I never know what they actually are, and especially this summer they were literally dangling OEL. Out and he's like, okay, well, there's Vancouver, there's Boston, and that's about it. And that should say a lot. Like, you were willing to trade this guy, and now he's here for a full season, which tells me this team, that team is a bit of a mess. I, I'm curious at what direction this team is looking for. Uh, next, all it does is just add, including Tortorella, another two coaches to an already large coach pool. Yeah, um, Gallant's in there, Boudreaux's in there. Uh, Seattle are going to have a, a good pool to pick from. And Montreal. 
Yeah, in Montreal. Now it's Patrick Wall, man. Remember. I I can hope. I can really hope for that entertainment in my life. I would be so funny. And then I guess, and then I'd ask you, who do you see going there? But I think we just kind of listed some of the contenders. I'm I'm sure. I feel like in this coaching domino, the first one to probably fall, you would imagine would be Seattle. Because I don't know. Are there any guys... Like of the playoff teams, you don't see Sullivan going anywhere. You don't see, you know, Laviolette. I wouldn't see of the playoff teams. Like maybe like Montreal is probably the only place. But then see who speaks French. Okay, like I, I'm kind of curious of like because you would imagine that the playoff teams aren't going to be doing any sort of hiring. Obviously, and they're not going to be yeah. doing any firing. And like, I, do you really see any of like the current playoff teams? Like, like Brenda Moore, it sounds like is done, but you know we're just waiting on details. Coach Q isn't going anywhere. You'd be a fool to get rid of John Cooper. Um, I, I don't know what Nashville really are and what they're kind of doing with John Hines, but then it's like Sullivan, Laviolette. Um, you're not going to go get rid of the guy in Boston. Why can I never no. remember his Bruce name? Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy. Hello. How are you doing? Trots. Absolutely not. Maybe David Quinn, because who knows what's going on in New York. I'm, they're not a playoff team, though. Um, the West, you're not getting rid of Pete DeBoer in Vegas. No. Gerard Bettinar is not going to go anywhere in Colorado. Dean Everson just got there in Minnesota, and they're doing a great job. Um who knows what's going on with Berube? I think maybe his contract scenario and how the Blues do in the postseason, but like any blemishes that roster is more for management, I'd say. Right. Not, so not maybe, really. Maybe we see some hires sooner than later of some of these, these playoff missing teams. I, I think that is probably it. Um, like there's just the teams that I can see making changes are the ones who are now letting go of their coaches mm-hmm. call um sorry columbus arizona i mean we if dominic dominic ducharme is back i i'm afraid to come on the podcast that episode because i know it's not going to be um fun the one there's one team in new jersey who what are you doing with lindy ruff like what a weird uh, hire still. That's still yeah. such a weird hire to me. You got to decide is you're going to bring him back for a few years or are you going to go back to – because I think they did call Gerard Gallant and I don't <laughs> think he wanted to do it. Now, who knows? Let's see if he's interested in that progress, uh, if they made any. Um, that's about it. Like I don't see much much moving going on. No. Yeah. It's going to be a weird year. Like, it's weird, man. I wonder if there's any sort of maybe what, what do Buffalo do? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Buffalo. I forgot about Buffalo. But then the problem is with Buffalo, are they going to pay you? Are they going to pay anyone? I don't probably not. Um, well, we should mention if we're going to like any sort of like attachment to Arizona here, 900 games, 900 points, fill the throw castle, a two time Stanley cup champion, a nice guy plays hard who loves the game. Congratulations to Phil Kessel. Man, I love Phil Kessel. Like, I I probably won't be a hockey fan. For, for the, whatever reason, I would not be a hockey fan probably if it was not for Phil Kessel. Um, the original uh, hockey memes, I'd say. Like, yeah. and But even, like, he was just, as a Leaf, he was just, for me, he was the probably, skill-wise, the most entertaining player to watch. Most years he was here. Yeah. Right? Like who, there was no one, it wasn't very, it wasn't filled with a whole lot of hope in this city. You kind of think the intermission between like Matthews and Marner now and Phil, and in that gap, it's like P.A. Parento? And Michael Grabner. And yeah. Like that. Arizona? I think, uh, that's a but good yeah, question. there's there's definitely a, a gap. I mean, man, I remember some of my favorite Steve Dangle videos ever was was Phil Kessel and Era Wasted. Um, and you know what? I I would say Brian Burke is probably pretty proud of that trade, even if you know whatever the assets going the other way. Man, Phil Kessel was a damn good leaf. He was. He scored thirty goals every year 
except two of them his last year and then the lockout shortened year which i he was on pace for 30 goals he had 20 goals in 48 games yeah, that's doing scoring a lot of goals and points. It's like all you can be expected from a player like Phil Kessel. Like, yeah, man. I, I think uh, my opinion is he's underappreciated because I think he did get a lot of slack, uh, a lot of crap, sorry, especially from the media, and that did not help. Mm-hmm. But I do think he was no matter like he was always the best forward on this team for those years. Mm-hmm. Back in the days of Phil Kessel and Dion Phaneuf. Oh, how far they have come in all these years. You have to admire. I do. Um, We can quickly now actually look in the league. We won't do a full playoff preview without Daniel. Um, Maybe we see if Mike's around, but who knows? Um, He sucks. Looks like we're going to have the Leafs and the Habs in the first round. Looks like we're going to have an Oilers and Jets series. The Jets, who have lost like eight of their last nine. In the West, I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to have St. Louis versus the Golden Knights and a Minnesota-Colorado series. That should be pretty fun. And then we're waiting for how it's going to really shape up in the East Division, Um, though it looks like right now we could maybe get the Islanders and the Pens or it's going to be the Bruins and the Pens. I'm sure the Pens would like to have some revenge from a couple years ago when they were swept by the Islanders. And even if not, uh, it's going to be Boston, Washington, which I, I would love to see that. Or I don't know, maybe the Islanders move up there and we get a rematch of last season and we can see if the Caps can, you know, not be humiliated by Barry Trotz again. That'd be pretty cool. And then yeah. in the Central Division, the Predators have clinched finally a good little end to the season for them. Uh, they're probably going to play at this point. Well, it's all but confirmed. Yeah, it's, I think it's clinched, actually. They're going to play the Hurricanes. Yes. What a great year for them. And officially, we are going to have Alex. I think there was over 100 penalty minutes in their other game, which was ridiculous. Um, Tampa and Florida, for the first time ever, ever, we have the Battle of Florida State. It's normally a big battle for the ballot boxes, but here we are in the real world of hockey, the Battle of <laughs> you, Florida. You, you got to know Gary Bettman is just loving this. He's like, yeah, it finally works. Oh, I finally work. He's like, okay, which random American market should I go to next that's not Canadian? That's another 10 years. I swear Arizona, Vegas is going to happen in the same oh, for now. But I do think this could be like very entertaining, especially considered. Well, we know Tampa Bay uh, already. We don't need to talk about them. Plus, mm-hmm. they're getting Kucherov back. But I think the real story here is Florida, considering not that we didn't expect them to have a good season, we didn't expect them to have this good a season. It's a miracle what goaltending does. Honestly, like, it's, yeah. Do you wonder though, like, if they can get past past Tampa without Ekblad? Oh, not bad. I wonder what kind of love, um, what kind of love some of those guys get. Um, like especially Barkov when it comes to Hart Trophy thingy. Um, that'd be pretty interesting to see. Um, any real more talk on them? We'll we'll wait till we have the full panel here. Yeah, um, the evil quiz master and, and all that kind of stuff. Love to see it though. Oh, Alex, there is there's a lot of gubs to talk about here. Okay, do you want to talk? Oh, well, I guess it's only really headlines now. Um, we don't need to talk about Phil Deneau being a big loss. We kind of already know that. Um, we'll save Ryan. No, we don't need to mention Ryan Paling. Love you, man. Get better. Uh, great year in the AHL. Uh, we did have a lot more to talk about. We're going to wait till we have Daniel back on the show. Um, if you want a preview, Parise, is he good? Is he bad? Who knows? The U18s, Rod Brindamore, Rock Andre Fleury, all that type of stuff next episode. Before there, we'll wrap up talking about headlines. First and foremost, some Hab stuff. Apparently, Jeff Molson and Mark Bergeron looking and discussing his future um, because he has one year in his contract left after this. Um, that's going to be kind of weird to see, but you kind of wait until the end of playoffs there. And, you know, it would be really cool, by the way, if there is sort of a decision there that we can have a retrospective on Mark Bergeron's time. Um, but going towards sort of the COVID stuff, apparently the Habs are set to get their first thing of shots before the playoffs. The Leafs are getting their first doses on Sunday. Uh, and this is because of eligibility, not cutting the line. Like, for example, I think Mike just got his shot. You and Daniel got yours the same day. I'm getting mine 
on the 13th. So vaccinations are improving much more here in Canada. So it's good to see that they're not sort of line cutting here. That line cutting thing, I think, is there, there was taught right we a were few mad months about ago. That, that was going to happen. Yeah, we were, we had that discussion and, and there was, it was, it was weird to see how different the situations were between the two countries because uh, TFC were playing, they're playing their season in, they're playing somewhere in the U.S. I want to say it's in Florida, but I, that that might be wrong. And they ended up getting vaccinated in the U.S. Yeah. But when it was reported, it was reported as, well, TFC got vaccinated. And that did not fly well because uh, most people don't read the actual article, but that's a separate story. Um but yeah, so for them not to, for them to come out and say that they were able to get because of eligibility, I think that was a very smart move on their part. Oh, for sure. Um, so these are some sort of looking updated COVID-19 protocols for the playoffs. Um, so for fully, fully vaccinated individuals, and this is two weeks beyond their final dose, no quarantining after a commercial travel no testing on off days and can meet in social sorry and can meet socially in groups of up to eight people teams with at least 85 percent vaccinated really funny that was around the number robin leonard was talking about isn't it alex no masks or social distancing required for team meetings team meals permitted inside uh sorry indoors or at restaurants Players can use steam rooms and saunas. I love to know that how important that is. And players can golf as a group. By the way, all of this and all that kind of governs from headlines. You'll have to see it. Feels like I was reading this and I was just thinking, okay, so this is probably a bit more monitored version of what they were doing in the bubble. Like, you know, going to play at BMO Fields and frisbeeing with Rod the Bod, Brenda Morgan. <laughs> uh, that picture will forever be loved, by the way. Um, it's you you brought you said it funny how Robin Leonard saying something and it causing an absolute um, I don't want to use the word meltdown on Twitter but it it was it caused something on Twitter and how quickly things have changed and again this is why I don't why I don't want to hear Bill Daly say well I did this and that we didn't do this we didn't do that because you guys changed it yeah you guys changed it a week or two later kind of rare that he but I, see it's really funny that Leonard never got fined I wonder if there was some behind the door meeting with the players and maybe the PA went all right you know let's stop screwing around here maybe the vaccination stuff with Canada sort of helped in the vaccine rollout and there was a whole thing about competitive advantages and all that maybe that's helped move things along but again the timing is just really 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 funny to me or Maybe it was the thing of Robin Leonard and like the mental health thing. And maybe that was another incentive for the league, but it's not a straight line for the NHL. I'll say that. But Is it ever? Time, exactly. Right. It, like, they draw ovals uh, when they try and draw a road somehow. They're just a weird league. It is. Uh, sometimes it's just, it's very complicated and it's never fun talking about. Feels like half the things we talk about on this podcast about the NHL, to be honest with you. <laughs> just, uh, do we really want to talk about this? No, but we kind of need to. Kind of need to. Though, mm-hmm. so, good for the players, though. They just get some sort of life in them here. Uh, it does kind of suck, though, if you really think about it, that playoff teams, and it's obvious because they are playing, um, are still kind of restricted in a way, like, You got to imagine how many teams at the same time. I was thinking about this the other day. Are just relieved that they're done. And they're just probably going to go and just, I don't know, like just go for a walk now that they can. Like a really long shopping trip at the grocery store. It's Um, true. I don't know. Like, and maybe that was also a part of this too, is they thought, okay, like we just got to try and not murder the morale of our players going into the bubble. But, but it, it, that like, that is a good point. Like it is for those guys who are now kind of done. Like, I, I think there's a few teams who are just completely done their seasons. Like it, it's not, it's not the perfect comparison, but like when we finished school, it was an absolute huge sigh of relief. Cause it's like, Okay, we don't like I don't have to sit in front of my computer all day and have to read a textbook. 
or I don't have to worry about a test or worry about assignment. Like I can worry about other things or I can deal with other things. Like even now that I'm working, it doesn't feel the same as that I'm going like when I was at school. Cause it's just a completely different environment. So like, I do think, yeah, it does make sense that those guys who are done are probably absolutely relieved. Just having a quick look here. Anaheim are done. How's like 17 wins on the year. The Sabres are done. That's gotta be a great feeling. The blue Jackets and Detroit are done. And then you look at Vancouver and they still have seven more games to play. And you're just like, man, let them go. There's two and two and eight in their last 10, by the way. Yeah, that's not bad. You know who's eight, one and one in their last 10 games? Ottawa? Yeah. Yeah. What the I know. hell? I know. That's, that's a, crazy. Not a good look, by the way. That is not like how far are they? They're only eight points back in Montreal. <laughs> God, they're eliminated because if they had some more runway, they they might be making the playoffs. Again, like they go. We had this conversation, I think, a couple episodes ago. The the Atlantic Division next year, if we do get that, and I'm assuming we are going to get that, considering now that the Canadian teams are getting are eligible to get the the vaccines. <clears throat> I, I that. Atlantic division is not going to be easy for even for Tampa or Boston. Like it's Ottawa always somehow puts up a fight. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, the only outlier is Detroit and Buffalo. Like I, we don't, I don't know what their team is going to look like next year. Um, But even Detroit in like two years, you're just going to be like, whatever, because Iserman is just going to like his magic wand. Who knows? Detroit could literally be like what Ottawa was this year in terms of they they started slow and then once they picked up steam, it kind of just they're just I I guess the word is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And now look, they're eight one in one in their last ten, ending the season. Imagine if they got goaltending. Oh wow, man! I just I just poked my eye by accident like a complete idiot. All right. Um, I guess quickly just do Twitter check to make sure we're not missing anything here. See so who who are playing tonight. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, everyone. Listen, hi there, mom. Oh, yes. Hello, Alex's mom, because you're our most loyal listeners. <laughs> so I hope you had a good one and that good stuff. Thank you for putting up with us and you know all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you listen to the pod and you're like. Ugh. To see my mama, God, Adam's yelling again. What's he doing? Having to uh, deal with play well in recent years, playoff games, not uh, hey, quiet you know, in the house. You know, my mom's actually, I think she gets more crazy about the games than I do. I get sometimes during during bad losses, the texts I get are like, oh my, I'm going bad here. Hope everyone has a great night of hockey tonight when we get to watch the Sens and the Flames play at eight o'clock. And currently, the Blackhawks are beating Dallas 3-1. to So that's fun if you want to go watch. This is just the worst part about sports at the end of the year when, like, everyone's just – we know what's happening in the playoffs. And it's just like, man, I, I don't care about Detroit and Dallas playing a hockey game. I really don't. I could be doing other things. I could be playing Pokemon right now. <laughs> Which is what you'll probably be doing after we finish. Uh, this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gonna go catch a Poochie and then uh, how many? I last time you said you had like three more, or did I misunderstand? So the total Pokedex is 898. Okay. I'm at 885. Uh the problem oh, is close. is if anyone knows anything about Pokemon here, there are things called mythical Pokemon that you can't actually catch in the game. They are events. So back in the day, there would be an event and you'd have to go to like a GameStop or something. So they're Pokemon that no. through legitimate means you can't actually get. So there's like, I'm going to have to figure out how to do that eventually. But, you know, and there's the thing with Pokemon is like, what's really funny is everyone like does the battles and like, you know, they get the HM badge and they become like the champion, right? Yeah. The way every game starts is the professor gives you a Pokedex. She's like, go finish it. And like, no one ever does. Like, That's true. Oh, if you're a hardcore fan, you're going to catch them all. But like, Ash, catch them. He was going to catch them all. Now he doesn't. Now he's just like, I'm going to battle. That's true. Good That's point. Thing. Good point. Fun. Yeah. It's not. All right. That's everything. Um, if you enjoyed the show, 
then subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast, like Spotify and Apple Podcast app. What a terrible name for an app, by the way. Check out the YouTube portion for a visual thing of the show. Check out all the show's yeah, social media, including the TikTok, as well as our own personal stuff, including Daniel's. Um, thank you, The Voice Set, as always, being a fantastic platform for the show. Uh, check out Daniel's stuff for the iOpener, Alex's blog, my YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. And um, I imagine next time we do a podcast, I think the season will be done or um, along that lines. Hopefully. Well, actually, the Leafs don't play until Wednesday at eight o'clock. And then what is this? And then Friday. Man. That's their last game. Man, I'm not going to say anything, but the Habs schedule was really just really messed everything up. God damn it. God uh, damn it. Uh, fun okay. times. Goodbye.